Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. As we adapt in this season of pandemic, we are meeting in our house churches in person and online as a primary space for worship, formation, connection, and encouragement. Teachings like this are one way we engage with scripture seeking to become more like Christ. These teaching podcasts also serve as a conversation starter for deeper engagement at House Church. We're glad you're listening. Hey, Renew. Uh, Looking forward to jumping into the teaching today. But before I do so, I just want to take a moment and honor and thank our House Church shepherds. Um, October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and both Ben and I have felt so loved and appreciated over this entire season of these last seven months. Um, As we continue to reflect, we are amazed with how many times we have been asked by you all the question of how are you doing? And so we just want to say thank you so much for uh, appreciating both Ben and I. But I want to flip Pastor Appreciation Month this year, and I want Pastor Appreciation Month to be focused on those who have been doing the bulk of pastoring during the season, and that's our house church shepherds. So I, I want to read off their names. Uh, I want to pray for them. And then I want to encourage us in some mischief as we move forward. And so Angela Freed and Dwayne Freed, Aubrey Dom, Beth Carroll, Bobby Wrigley, Joel Bowen, Caleb Mangum, Jeanette Fiefia, Kent and Cindy Gerhart, Dennis and Claudia Bryce, and Tim and Cindy Culp, and Dave Balecki. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for the ways in which you have shepherded this community well. Thank you for all the ways in which you've continued to be faithful, for the teaching, for the encouragement, for dealing with the ever-changing landscape, for reading the guidelines and paying attention to them. Thank you. Thank you for your hours that you spent loving us well. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for teaching us. And thank you for checking in and continuing to help us form around the person of Jesus. And so shepherds, I want to pray for you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I pray blessing over our shepherds right now. Where they are, may they experience your grace, your mercy flow over top of them. May they have a physical uh, embodiment of your love, that they would feel your arms wrapped around them, Lord. Father, if they're facing discouragement, I pray against that. If they're if, if they're facing hardship, Lord, I pray that you would you would become so clear to them in the midst of the hardship that they would be just clinging to you. So, Lord, I thank you so much for the work that you're doing in our midst. I thank you for the work that you've given our house church shepherds to faithfully and continually pour into the people in their house churches. So, Lord, we bless them in the name of Jesus, and we thank you so much for their lives. In your name we pray. Amen. So, Renew, this is my encouragement and challenge to you. During this month, I would love for each of you uh, to write a note of encouragement to your house church shepherds and to think of specific ways that your shepherd has encouraged you, that your shepherd has helped you to grow, and that your shepherd has 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 just been Jesus to you in this season. And so I know we can do that, uh, but just that we would pour out our love and appreciation on our shepherds in this time. That would help Ben and I out a ton. We love you. We thank you. Ben and I are just so proud of our shepherds and of this beautiful community and the way we continue to follow hard after Jesus.
So this morning, I get a chance to talk about house churches, sort of. Um, as, as Ben and I were talking through this series of joy strength, one of the places that, that I think Ben in, in his wisdom thought was we need to talk about community as a place of joy and a place of strength. And so this morning I get to talk about community. And one of the things that I would say is the strength of who we are as a church is community. Watching the way formation around the mission and person of Jesus takes place, one of our biggest engines for that happens in our house churches around relationship and around the word community. And so one of the things that we've noticed over the years is that Renew is a sticky place and it me it's a hard place to leave because of the way that the community has such an important role in formation. And so I, I don't think it's by accident that in these last seven months, we've actually heard and seen our, our house churches flourish and thrive. We've seen people experience the love of Jesus in the way that, our, that the house churches cared for one another. And we're just so grateful for that. And so today, in some ways, this probably is going to feel a little bit like just a brag session on the way that we're doing community well. There are a few things I want to unpack about what it looks like to experience joy in community, but there's just a couple of stories that I really want to share. And the first story is this, and and th- this might be hard for some of us to hear, but, but this has been a really hard season for both Ben and I. Um, and many of you are thinking, yeah, it's been hard for us too. Um, and for, for both Ben and I, one of the things that has been such an encouragement to us is the way that many of you have been asking us how we're doing. But one of the places where I'm watching community grow and I'm seeing the benefit and the beauty of community is what happens almost every single morning on our prayer calls. And to be honest with you, it is it is a beautiful time, but it's also a very vulnerable time. Although most people look beautiful in the morning when they first get up at 7 a.m., some of us show up looking rather rough. Uh, the sleep is still in our eyes. We still seem a bit tired. Um, we still have a little bit of the morning frogs in our voice. But something incredible happens every single time. And that's that this tiny community of saints gathered. We pray these words that we have legitimately prayed it for the last seven months. And in that, God is building up community. He's building up his saints. He's building up his loved ones in ways in which I don't know if I'll ever fully understand. And so for me, this is how the story goes. There have been days when I have come to the meeting, the prayer meeting, and felt discouraged, felt defeated. I have felt like my faith is is just beat up. Asking questions like, God, what, what's going on with this? What do we do next? What's happening? And, and I... I literally feel like, man, I don't even know if I can, I don't know if I have faith to do this today. But what I'm finding so amazing is as I show up and as week in and week out, day in and day out, God meets me there. And he doesn't meet me there in the, in, in the space that, that many would think. He meets me there in the faith of those that are gathered. And so what I'm learning about community in this season is really that It's in community that our joy, that strength, that faith is bolstered and grows. 
And it's in community in which I'm finding brand new life week in and week out. And on the days when I feel like my faith is in shambles and I don't know how to pray or I might be forgetting certain things or I feel super discouraged, Adrian prays and my soul is lifted. Kent and Cindy Gerhart pray. They recite the same words that we've been reciting week in and week out. And my soul is lifted. And the faith of my friends becomes my own faith and helps me in the season when I'm finding myself beat up and tired and lonely and disconnected. Um, just the other day uh, in our prayer meeting, Ange Fried shared this beautiful story of a vision and a dream that she had. And it was very specific to uh, a family in our church who was present at the meeting, at the prayer call. And, and it was about uh, a growing family. And in the interaction of Anne sharing the vision and the dream, uh, the person who the vision and dream was for just said, you know, I, I love hearing that God is doing this, but it's really hard to hear. And it's hard to have faith for this. And what I appreciate is Chrissy Balecki chimed in, took herself off of mute. And she said, if you don't have faith for it, we will have faith for you and we will carry it. And it just reminds me of the story of the four faithful friends who are willing to dig through the roof. And it's found in Mark 2. And, and in our house church, when we meet together with our combined house church this week, you all are going to have an opportunity to dig into that a bit more. But I just want to talk briefly about what I notice in this story. And you all have heard it a, a million times. We, we've, we've preached on it. I've preached on it. Ben's preached on it. JR's preached on it. Um, we've heard this talked about. Because this story shapes our, our identity. It shapes our imagination of what it looks like to be part of a real Christian community. And I think this story is, is so bold because it teaches us that community has two different parts. And we see it in the story. Some of us right now are the people who are lying paralyzed on the mat. That isolation has been so deep and it has cut so much into our souls. That loneliness feels unbearable. Some of us have experienced just deep crippling fear in this season and loss. And so we can totally put ourselves in that space of feeling isolated and left out and on the mat. And some of us have had that experience even in this week where we feel like we've just been isolated and left alone. But I'm glad the story doesn't just end with a paralyzed man lying on a mat. But it ends with the faith of his four friends who make the decision to bring their friend to Jesus. Not to just tell him everything's going to be okay. Not to just, you know, sit and grin and bear it and tell him to pull himself up by his bootstraps. But to take him to the one who is actually able and willing to heal and to restore and to forgive. And so I love thinking about these four friends. And, and when I think about them, I just get this picture of like, this is the first house church that, 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 that I see in scripture. Uh, you have someone within the house church who's really struggling and you have these four friends that have been just walking faithfully with their friend. But yet in, even in the faithful walking, they found themselves doubting. They found themselves praying and longing for healing and not seeing it and longing for God to show up in some miraculous way and not finding that. But then they hear about Jesus. And so they 
pick him up by his mat. They drag him to this home and they get him into this house. They get him to the outside of this house and they see that there's no room. And I love the audacity, the insanity, and the mischief that we see in these four friends. That they climb up onto a roof. How they got this man up there, I I can only imagine ropes and pulleys. And if it's anything like a youth group, it probably went terribly wrong a few times. But what I love about that story is somehow they get this man to the roof and they say, we're going to get him to Jesus because we love our friend that much. And they make a huge scene and a huge ruckus. And I'm sure dirt and camel hair and all kinds of stuff is falling on people and people are getting ticked because this house is being destroyed for the sake of this one person. And the man is lowered in by his friends. And I, I can almost picture like it being a dark night and, and the, this, this roof opens up and you can just see the light shining up and all these angry faces. But you see the down below, but you see the glow of the room coming up and you see these four friends on each corner smiling. And then you see him disappear and you see him come back and there's, there's this mat that covers the hole and it gets dark again. And they slowly but surely lower their friend down. And I can imagine being that man. I've been that man before. The man who's paralyzed, the man who is, uh, when, when the, the boogies bubbles are coming out of your nose because you're crying so much because you need Jesus to show up and heal you because you've been paralyzed by something for years and years and years. But I imagine him coming down horrified and looking around and seeing people bewildered, frustrated, confused, angry, but then making eye contact with Jesus. And it's when Jesus sees this man and when this man locks eyes with Jesus, that my guess is that this man, when he made contact, eye contact with Jesus, it looked a lot like the same eye contact that his community who lowered him through looked like. And Jesus does this amazing thing. He says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Because of their faith, your sins are forgiven. And there's something really radical about the story Because it's not because of his faith, but it's because of the faith of these four nameless people, this community that just sits in the background, this early first century house church, that this man experiences forgiveness. And then the beautiful part of the story that we love is then he gets up and he walks because Jesus heals him. And so as I think about this, the story is really important for us in this season because many of us are on mats right now. And we don't even know that we're on mats, but we can feel it in our bones. Something is not right. Something has seemed to be messed up or off or broken in these last few months. And maybe it is because of isolation or maybe it's because of all the other stuff that is vying to disunify us whether it be the plans of the evil one or the fact that we have decided to be discipled by whatever new station that we want to be discipled by when Jesus is calling us in for his attention. But in that moment that this beautiful community decides to take a risk and to bring their friend to Jesus. My friends, this story has a lot of weight for us. When I think about joy, I, I, I try to imagine what happened an hour to two hours after the story, when, when the man who comes down from the roof walks out the doorway 
and his four friends meet him out there and just think about the joy, the celebration, the laughter, the stories that are continually shared for an entire, for weeks and months and years about remember that time when when we dug through that roof and everyone was ticked at us? I almost feel like I wish the second half of the story was the four friends and the paralyzed man fixed the roof that they destroyed. But what I appreciate about it is that there is just, this is such a, a beautiful picture that I feel like I'm watching within Renew. That we continue to say, and, and I want to challenge us to continue to say, we will lay down our preferences for the sake of our friends. We will lay down the things that we think are most important for Jesus and his sake and his kingdom and his people. And so I think I'm watching this take place and and, and it's transforming my own life, even in the midst of my, my own struggles and my own hardships during this season. It's been the faith of the community that has helped pull me out of the mat or put me on the mat, take me to Jesus and drop him down, drop me down to him. And I love it because Jesus does the healing work, but the community joins in with Jesus in the work of healing. And so there's so much that we can think about as we as we talk about community and as we think about the the way in which our 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 world and the way in which our own small community of believers have been through these last 7 months. And I think a lot of it has to do with stuff that Ben talked about last week as he as he talked about shame being the opposite of joy because I think he's right and as I think about Genesis 1 through 3 what we see is we see the story of everything God making being being good and people in general people his the the culmination of creation being very good male and female made in the image of God. And so it's this theological truth that we men and women have been made in the image of God. We are image bearers. And in that image, we have this longing and this, we are designed for community. We are designed for relationship that is put in us by the creator God. That, and we see the story play out as the micro story in, in Genesis chapter two. We, we think about how God has made Adam and Adam is looking around and he's looking for someone to be with. And God says, it's not good for man to be alone. So we've, all the animals come and he works through the naming process, but none is a suitable helper. And so God makes them fall into a deep sleep. And you know the story. And out comes this, Adam comes out from his sleep. He wakes up and he sees Eve, bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And there's this amazing interaction. At the end of the interaction is the part I want to put, put on display. And it says they were both naked and they felt no shame because community, communion, being together, being in holy relationship, having that design in which God has for us is a relationship where we can take our mask off. I know that's a charged word right now, but we can take our mask off and be who we are in front of the people of God, that we can live in a world uh, and we can understand what it's like to live now, today, here, naked without shame. Because we've experienced the resurrection power of Jesus. We, Friends, we watched this two weeks ago as we were standing by the baptism waters. 
And so as we hear the stories, as we see people go under the water and come out and we leap up in celebration, we are making a declaration that life can be lived naked without shame. It's like we are regaining that original identity. We are re, we're, we're being renewed in that original identity that we were called to be free people. And so shame deforms community. But I think even in that, what we do see is that when we want to take Jesus seriously, we are a people that shun shame and we bring folks into the light of Christ. C.S. Lewis says it this way, and I, I love this statement, besides the blessed sacrament, the holiest thing in the world is your neighbor. Because there is something so important for us as the people of God to recognize the image of God in the person sitting next to us and sitting across from us. Just like think about the people that you're going to be worshiping with this week in our combined house church. And just thank God for each of those people. See how joy has become part of your narrative and part of your story and part of your life because of the way that they have taught you about what joy is. And here's something that, that I've been thinking quite a bit about as well. I think community, a community's ability to experience joy is deeply related to its ability to grieve together. And so one of the things that I've been appreciative about in this season is that we have been turning up the listening to hear how people are really doing, to pay attention. We've been picking up the phone and making phone calls, even though we don't like talking on the phone, just to check in and to spend time with our brothers and sisters. Because we recognize that in this time, we have this beautiful opportunity to help people be reminded that they are image bearers, that they have been made in the image of God. And that what, what that includes and what we need to continue to remember is that because we are made in the image of God, we are made to be in relationship. And so I want to just very briefly just talk a little bit about what, what healthy community looks like. And so as, as we think about the, the, the story of Mark 2, 1 through 12, we see this great picture of, of how community reacts to their friend who's paralyzed. And we see the ways in which a lot of people struggle and we see the ways in which community can gather around. And when people are at their worst, community can be at their best and renew. We, we have continued to do this and I'm grateful for that. Um, I, I love how we have this amazing structure of house churches with our house church shepherds, where we continue to grow our formation, our discipleship with Jesus is not just us sitting at home, reading the Bible by ourselves, but it's learning secret handshakes with people, with the kids in our house church. It's also having opportunities to sit down and have coffee or a beer with someone in our house church. It's praying, it's sharing the deep things of our lives. It's sitting at Starbucks with two other men and, and, and spending time and talking about the hardships of your heart and then leaving free and light because you had a chance to talk about what's happening deep within your soul. There's a great quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and it says, whoever cannot be alone should be aware, should beware of community, and whoever cannot stand being in community should beware of being alone. It makes me think about one of our mantras 
that we have as a community. That authentic Christian community is not the absence of mess, but it's the presence of Jesus within the mess. And my friends, this has been a messy season. Can I get an amen? It's been a hard season. I know right now, even as I'm recording this in my basement, that some of our relationships with our brothers and sisters within our community are strained. That we have put some of our preferences and some of our thoughts and some of our ideas about whatever it may be above just caring well and listening to the other person. And so I want to encourage you, if you feel like there is some relational tension, to begin the reconciliation process, to bring it before the Lord, to bring your relationship that may feel like it's paralyzed right now, and to have your friends bring it before Jesus. So here's just a few benefits of community. And I love reading books about community. One of my favorite is a book called Bowling Alone by Robert Putnam. And this is just hilarious, but what he finds is one of the most incredible benefits of community is health and well-being, health and well-being. Um, Here's some things. Putnam found that ones in community healed more quickly and they had less mucus. They also took a test of group. They took a group, the group of people who smoked, drank, ate unhealthy food, and they were healthier than those who ate well, but were alone. And so I think in the midst of, of, of what it looks like and what we're learning, even in the season of COVID is that there is this great benefit of being in community. Now, whether that's online or in person, I don't know if it makes that much of a difference, but it's this idea of being someone who is being, who is known and being known by others and by God. I, I really believe, and this is something that Dave Edwards said in our last marriage call. And he said, I know God more because I know Marcia. And it reminds me that we as a people have this, we, we need to be known. In fact, God has delight in us coming out of our shell and allowing him and allowing ourselves to be known before him. And I appreciate that he just doesn't do that by ourselves in, in this vacuum, but he actually creates this family and this community called the church where we can come out, where we can drop the fig leaves and learn what it is to be together. I just have one more thought that I want to leave us with today. And then I'm going to wrap us up because I feel like I can ramble for hours and hours about the power of community and the way in which I've watched God working in and through us and in and through this community called Renew. And that's, it's, it's from a, it's from Kurt Thompson and this, both Ben and I have been reading quite a bit of him uh, the last few weeks. He's just got a lot of good things to say. But this is what he says about, about people. He says, to, and, and he talk, he's talking about people, there's a need for people to be known. He says, to be known is to be pursued, examined, and shaken. To be known is to be loved and to have hopes and even demands placed on you. It is to risk not only the future in your home being, re- the furniture in your home being rearranged, but your floor plans being rewritten, your walls being demolished and reconstructed. Reminds me a lot of the story that we just read. That these friends didn't just sit and encourage him. They didn't just know him, but they actually ruined his life by bringing him to Jesus. They changed everything. Because of the faith of these four friends, this man's life was completely and utterly shaped. And because of this man's life being completely and utterly demolished and reconstructed, their lives were demolished and reconstructed. And I think that is the gift of community. 
The gift of community is that we are reminded that we're not in this alone. In fact, not only are we not in this alone, but God takes delight in being with us, especially as we are being together. That God is with us as two or more are gathered, that he shows up and plays and dances and sings and grieves with us while we are in community. But I want to give us just two really quick points that I think would be helpful as we close this. And they're very simple. First is this, our goal as a community is to love each other in the way of Jesus and to point each other to Jesus. And that's it. Our goal is to love each other in the way of Jesus and point each other to Jesus. And that's what I sense will continue to help this community, the Renew community, be a healthy, thriving community. But I also think that there's a challenge. And I think the challenge is this, is that this community is not just for us to enjoy, but this community is one that is called to be ever-expanding. And so our communities, our house churches, we are called to be on mission with Christ. We are called to look at what happened in Genesis 3 as male and female sinned and as they built fig leaves and blamed one another and got angry and hid from God. We are called to be agents of change as we begin to walk along lost people and love them towards the kingdom. And so my sense is that as you're listening, you might be one of these people that's like, man, I feel like God has been putting the stirring in my heart for a neighbor, a friend, for a ministry, for something, man. Like I'm called to be a pastor. If that's you, can you shoot me an email and say, can we talk? I feel like God's stirring a big dream in my heart. Or maybe it might even not seem like a big dream. Maybe it's just something really small. But if you feel like there's this call to move outside of the walls of community and to see your community expand, could you just shoot me an email? I'd love to have coffee with you you. I'd love to pray for God's work in you and to be remind and to help remind you that the Holy Spirit is always sending and he is always moving us in towards the uncomfortable places. So brothers and sisters, I'm proud to be part of the Renew community. I'm proud that we continue to understand and we have these beautiful pictures of what joy looks like. I am a more joyful person because of what I've watched happen in Renew, at baptisms, at house churches, at gatherings, watching Ben do cartwheels, uh, seeing Lindsay Smith blow off these amazing uh, confetti cannons. I've I've learned what it is to experience joy when I watch Denise bang on that tambourine and worship Jesus. I've learned what it is to experience joy when I've watched honor dance and sing uh, in a gathering setting. I've learned what it is to experience joy by be- sharing meals and coffee with many of you. And I want to encourage you to continue to be a people where we are bold enough to allow joy to be part of who we are. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.